I think our first gig, we um, we w didn't wear masks, but we did both dress as Pat Butcher from EastEnders, <laughs> with um, blonde wigs and long dangly earrings and sparkly jackets. And after that, I think we've always worn masks. Would you ever go back to Pat Butcher? Well, I don't think she's as zeitgeisty as she used to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> it's a sort of anniversary gig. Yes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Series 2 of Who Says You Can't, the podcast from EE that celebrates those who fly in the face of convention. I'm Rick Edwards, and in this new series, I'll be talking to people who didn't wait for an invite to create their dreams, people who've used all the digital tools at their disposal to make it, and who took You Can't Do That as a challenge and just did it anyway. Each guest has handed over their phone for me to have a good old look through, and I'll be asking them questions based on what I dig up. If you want to get a peek at what I find, you can see them on EE's YouTube channel now. Today's guest is one half of parody mashup duo Cassette Boy. Being a household name that no one knows... Who says you can't? Hello, Cassette Boy. Or uh, a, what, one of Cassette Boy. A, a Cassette Boy. Or your real name. Well, how would you like to be referred to? Boy? Cassette? Uh, let's go with Cassette. Let's go Cassette. Yeah, Why we're... not? We're, we're going to go Cassette. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the other thing is, there's no real way of me knowing that you actually are Cassette Boy. Because you're, or one of Cassette Boy, because you're anonymous, you could just, uh, the actual Cassette Boy, could just send his mate along to do this, and I would never know. You That's could just true. be a well-briefed friend of Cassette Boy. Yes, that is my main job, is pretending to be Cassette Boy. How long have you been anonymous for as Cassette Boy? We were anonymous when we first started because no one would have heard of us. Because yes. we were just making tapes for our friends. Mm -hmm. um, and... That was in the mid-90s, um, and then when we started doing gigs uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, we were scared of getting sued for all the copyright infringement, so we decided that we should better wear, we should wear masks. Uh, so we've always been anonymous. So when you were making tapes in the 90s, were these just mixtapes? Yeah, yeah. So they were just compilation tapes of music with little snippets of talking in between, so little vocal samples that we'd taken from the TV or the radio. And as we did more and more tapes, there was more and more talking and the music got less and less and less and the talking got more and more edited so you would take individual words and loop them and construct sentences and have callbacks to previous vocal samples throughout the tapes and they got more and more more and more complex until the music basically disappeared completely and it was just 60 or 90 minutes of talking or, or, or noises. So how do you actually go about putting those 60 or 90 minute tapes together then? It feels like it's a hell of a lot of work. Are you scripting it and then finding stuff that fits or what's the process? No, with our stuff, we generally don't script it in advance. It's all based on the material that we've found, because um, otherwise you would write a script and then you would have to spend months finding Greg Wallace or Alan Sugar or someone saying the word that you wanted him to say. Um, so it all comes from watching the material first and then um, what leaps out at us is what makes the final cut, essentially. 
Thank you for letting me look through your phone, by the way. Mm. Got a great photo here of you, uh, young cassette boys, shirtless, um, <laughs> right, yeah. pre uh, yeah. uh, masks, uh, yeah. beautiful, yes. um, working on, uh, mm. on on cutting up some some tapes. How long would a, a sixty minute tape have taken you back then? I think the last sixty minute tape we did took us a week, um, but that's working on it full time for you know seven days a week. Took us just one week. Um, the great thing about tapes is that although you can rewind, you lose sound quality when you go back over stuff and it's yeah. never as good. So it kind of forces you to just keep going onwards. Um, now that we've moved on to digital stuff, the temptation is to endlessly fiddle with stuff and um, refine edits. Whereas when we were doing tapes, it was essentially a live performance. It was the speed of our fingers yeah. on the pause buttons and we would just keep keep moving forwards. So the fact that it still took us a week to do 60 minutes um, shows how many live edits there were in those in those 60 minutes. Do you miss tapes? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. I miss the fact that uh, you, it was a live performance and there was a physicality to it, mm. that, which there isn't there anymore. Um, I don't miss um, how hard it is to catalogue tapes. A lot of our time spent was spent looking for a tape that had a sample on it that we knew we wanted and looking, you know, once we'd found the tape, you then had to find the position on the tape that the actual sample was. So if, you, if we'd recorded a 90 minutes of TV, endlessly fast-forwarding and thinking, well, I think he says, you know, bottom... <laughs> about about halfway through this program and you just have to listen to it again and again and again and so that that was bad uh now that we've gone digital it's much easier to to catalog and to find the raw material how would you define your output like are you uh musicians uh comedians satirists video artists what's your yes all of all of the above. i don't I, yes maybe i don't know what we've ended up doing is just what happens when you have a slightly weird hobby that you just don't stop doing and it gets completely out of control and it morphs into something completely different. This wasn't a plan. You couldn't have sat down in the mid-90s and come up with a plan to end up here doing this sort of thing. Um, no, you would have sounded mad. Yes, you would, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really know how to define it. Our main guiding principle has always been to do the most stupid option possible, I guess. Certainly with our live shows, we make it as silly as we possibly can. And um, it's it's worked out okay with for us so far. When did the masks first come in? Um, when we did our first gigs. I think our first gig, we, um, we w didn't wear masks, but we did both dress as Pat Butcher from EastEnders. <laughs> with um, blonde wigs and long dangly earrings and sparkly jackets. And after that, I think we've always worn masks. Would you ever go back to Pat Butcher? <laughs> well, I don't think she's as zeitgeisty as she used to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> it's a sort of anniversary gig. Yes. <laughs> when did you first feel successful? We've gone through various different phases of being Cassette Boy. Originally, we were just making tapes for our friends. Two of those friends ran a record label, and they persuaded us 
to release an album with them and actually seeing uh, our album on sale in a record shop, that was a big moment for us. And the other big thing was when we transitioned onto YouTube and our Apprentice mashup took things to a whole new level and we reached more people in a day than our albums had ever reached. So uh, that, that was a big thing. Were you surprised at how big the Apprentice mashup got? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Because our albums had sold like maybe 3,000 copies, something like that. And within the first day or two, there had been 100,000 views on YouTube of The Apprentice. So that was completely unprecedented and, uh, yeah, completely unexpected. So, so what year was this? This was sort of 2007, 2008, something like that? 2009, Oh, 2009, I think. okay. Yeah, yeah. And so was it your first foray into video stuff? No, we'd done, it was our third video. So we did a Gordon Brown mashup, which should help to date it somehow. Yes. And um, then a Nigella Lawson one, which actually did very well, um, but got taken down. Ah, by her? Um, by people you never really know you just log on to YouTube and one day and it's not there anymore Um, so yes it it got taken down it was filthy so I'm not (laughs) entirely surprised that it got taken down but but she is providing I imagine a great wealth of material for you to work with in terms of filth yes exactly she's sort of doing it without you fiddling very much her shows are basically just a stream of double entendres and we just turned them into single entendres (laughs) Uh, so you never actually hear anything about who's taken it down or why it's been taken down it just it just really that's right because it is because our stuff is just made of other people's content it can just be taken down for copyright infringement, whether it's because someone has taken offence to it or because a bot has found that we've infringed the copyright and it's just gone down automatically. We just never really know. How much has the law been able to keep up with online work? Because, you know, I know that now there is a new thing in place about parody. Parody is kind of hard to define anyway. Yes. Um, what's the position currently? As I understand it, it's okay to, in the UK, it's okay to manipulate other people's content and create something new as long as the intent is to make someone laugh, as long right. as it's funny, um, which is crazy because funny is subjective. Mm. And it's never been tested in the courts as far as I know. So I think it would come down to the fact that if someone did try to test it in the courts, it would come down to whether or not it made the judge laugh. <laughs> which is stupid, <laughs> absolutely stupid. Um, and also, it kind of invalidates a huge swathe of uh, artistic endeavours because I can cut up The Apprentice and try and make you laugh, and that would be legal. But if someone was to cut up The, Impre- the Apprentice with the aim of making you cry, which would be just as artistically relevant, that would be illegal. So it just seems a bit weird to me. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. When, yeah. when did the that law come in, the one about parody and making? Is it 2014? I think it was like 2014, that? yeah. Did that yeah. make your life easier? Um, yes, absolutely, yeah. It, it kind of legitimised what we were doing and it meant that um, we could get commissions for paid work, essentially. So, yeah, it made our lives a lot easier. In terms of being paid for what we did, it hasn't changed our actual approach to the work whatsoever because we've been 
ignoring copyright laws since the <laughs> 90s anyway. So uh, it didn't make any difference from that perspective. But pre-2014, could you get paid then? We, we got paid occasionally. So um, we did a video for Amnesty International, um, which, you know, we got a small fee for, for our time, um, which was a mashup of President Obama to, uh, to publicise a campaign that Amnesty was running against the arms trade. Mm -hmm. And all presidential footage is available free of copyright. So um, unless Trump has changed that, which he may have done. So that, that was, we could get paid for doing that. Um, occasionally, people who, who owned the rights to the footage already uh, allowed us to do stuff. So we did some uh, mashups of uh, vloggers and people who were making their own content, and there was a bit of cross-promotion going on there. Um, but, yeah, the opportunities were few and far between before the law changed. Would you ever approach the, the rights holders before and say, would you mind if we did something with this? No, absolutely no. not. <laughs> we would hope that they wouldn't notice for as long as possible. In terms of like how you were kind of supporting yourselves before you were able to do more more paid work once mm. once the law changed, what what were you doing? Were you doing live stuff? Were you? We did some live stuff. We we had jobs essentially. So I worked in a library. Mm -hmm. uh, the other half of Cassette Boy uh, still works in an art gallery. Um, so yeah, we have. We, we, we would have jobs and we would do this part-time. So um, the, the Apprentice mashup, the first Apprentice mashup that we did, that was done fitting around our jobs. And we worked on that one for three months because, you know, we didn't have a lot of time to dedicate to it. So that was a long three months spent watching Alan Sugar every spare waking moment. But worth it. Worth it in the end, yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of times during those three months when we thought that it wouldn't be worth it and uh, it was very tempting to stop because it drives you crazy. How does a Cassette Boy live performance look and sound? It looks and sounds very silly because people turn up to our live shows not really knowing what to expect, I think, because our process is basically watching hours and hours of television and then sitting in front of computers for hours and hours, manipulating that footage. Uh, which Not, doesn't necessarily make for an entertaining show. <laughs> no, no, no. It doesn't compete with, you know, Lady Gaga. <laughs> Obviously, we're not going to do that live on stage. So we just dress up in stupid costumes, stupid masks, and act out some of the videos and uh, prance about and try not to fall off the stage. Is that because of... Limited visibility through the masks. Yes, yeah. So our just masks, tripping over stuff. Yeah, tripping over stuff. Yeah, yeah. The main thing, that our main uh, requirement when we play live is that everything that can be taped down is taped down because otherwise we'll trip over it and we will fall over. Do you ever get booked for stuff where you think, well, this might not be our crowd? Every gig, essentially. <laughs> because what we do is pretty niche. So, um, yeah, sometimes it works. Usually these days it works, but uh, sometimes it doesn't. Often um, we would be in between dance music acts, essentially, because that's that's our background and our friends' backgrounds. Um, so our original uh, gigs in the early days were at dance music festivals and dance music gigs, and there would be people down the front 
who just wanted to dance. Mm -hmm. So they would be shouting, just play a song, just play something, just play... Because we would be playing, you know, five seconds of a track and then a minute of Alan Sugar and then another five seconds of a track. And it's very frustrating if all you want to do is dance. Just dance to Sugar. Well, yes. Come on. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So your first kind of breakout success then was the Apprentice video. Uh, That came, I suppose... 15, 15 years after you started working together, roughly? Uh, yeah, yeah, roughly. So in, in that 15 years, when you were uh, plugging away, mm-hmm. doing your d- doing your mixtapes and then doing your, your kind of longer albums and, and, and releasing albums, um, what was your friends and, and family's reaction to what you were doing? Um, well, our, our friends hopefully loved it. Mm-hmm. it the, um, the whole point of Cassette Boy came about because we were making originally tapes for to make our friends laugh and that was always our perspective with the albums as well. I think it's very useful to have a particular person or group of people in mind when you're creating something and you want to appeal directly to those, those people. So uh, we were still just making stuff for our friends essentially but releasing it for, to a wider audience as well. And, and these days, I suppose, now you just have to think, would this make a judge laugh? Yes, that's right. <laughs> I don't know enough judges to be able to tell, but, um, yeah. Uh, and what about family? Family didn't really know an awful lot about it um, until um, 2005. Um, one of the friends that we were making or trying to make laugh uh, is a guy who calls himself Square Pusher. A, uh, yeah, a, a dance music artist mm. and he was going on a tour of America and he asked us to support him so cool. I then kind of had to explain to my family why I was disappearing off to America for a month and what exactly I'd be doing so, um, so like you work in a library don't you? Yes exactly exactly yeah yeah so they were quite surprised how did that tour go? Oh, it was amazing yeah yeah one of the best things we've ever done um no pressure on us because no one knew who we were. Everyone was there to see Square Pusher. He was our friend, so he he didn't care either. He thought it was hilarious that there are lots of people going to see some very you know intricate drum and bass uh, with live jazz bass. And uh, the first thing they saw was a couple of idiots in Tony Blair and George Bush masks pushing each other around and falling off the stage. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so and. And it's a slight shame that you weren't Pat Butchers. Yes, that's um, true. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very hard to explain to the American audience. Yes. <laughs> so Pat Butcher is, well, how to explain Pat Butcher? <laughs> and uh, the, the opportunity to do like something like 20 gigs in a month actually refined our stage act so that it did become slightly more sophisticated than downing a load of vodka and pushing each other around. Not much more sophisticated, but slightly. No, you want to retain uh, some of that unique charm. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the other time when uh, my family has reacted to uh, Cassette Boy was um, I was interviewed on BBC News when the copyright law changed, wearing my ridiculous tape mask. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think my dad was quite impressed to see me on the news. But his one comment was that I should have tried to look more professional. <laughs> <laughs> which it isn't really the cassette boy way. <laughs> Obviously, in my mind, I'm imagining that your dad, when he's saying this to you, is just wearing a much bigger yes. cassette head because <laughs> he's the dad of cassette boy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs>
Here's a quick message to remind you that Who Says You Can't is brought to you by EE, the nation's number one network for 5G. If you're a streamer, a gamer, a vr or a telly-on-the-go watcher, you're going to want some 5G on your phone. Right, back to the podcast. Because of the, the material that you're, that you're working with, it's obviously all pre-existing, that's the whole point. Mm. Is that restrictive? Does that hinder you in any way? Are there, are there times where you're like, I just, we just can't, we've got this idea, we just can't quite get it to work? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because of the limitations of what's available. Yes, yes. And that's the most frustrating part when you've got uh, 70% of the vocabulary you need mm-hmm. to make a really great joke, um, but you just can't find that, that missing... 30. 30, 30, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, yeah, so that's that's enormously frustrating. But... It's very freeing as well in in many respects. What we do is we essentially write comedy sketches and we can do that without having to find actors or camera people or or lighting rigs or anything like that because all the filming has been done for us. So that is incredibly freeing, but obviously we are very limited in terms of the, 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 the raw material that we have to work with. But sometimes you are able to work around it. I'm thinking about the... David Cameron uh, pig yes. uh, video, which is obviously <laughs> seminal. Um, uh, and he doesn't say, as I don't think anyway, he doesn't say pig, but you somehow managed yes. to sort of borrow a P from somewhere. That's right, yes, yeah. So I can't remember the exact exact words that we used, but yes, we borrowed a P and an ig from, from two different words and put them together. It's... Um, it's very fortunate for us that uh, in the English language, swear words are usually only one syllable long and they're quite mm. quite punchy. So it's quite easy to take a sh and an it sound, for example, uh, and, and shove them together. There are some words that are, are much more difficult to make, um, but most of the good swear words are pretty easy. Um, has moving from analog to digital made that that much easier because i guess in the in the tape days you wouldn't really have been able to achieve the sort of pig no, effect that's right in the tape days we were down to an edit every word but now we've gone digital um we can actually make the words ourselves yes so syllable by syllable syllable by if, syllable if needs be yes yes that's right is there a kind of purity a kind of satisfaction that comes with um, finding all of the words that you need already there? Or do you like the sort of creation of words? No, the creation of words is a real pain mm. because there's so many different options and they won't all sound good. So um, if we're trying to make the word pig, for example, it's not just a case of finding a pi and an ig. It's about finding the right pi that goes with the right ig. So we'll collect like 10 different instances of both half syllables and then try out all the possible variations until we find the right one. Now that there's been a kind of democratisation of tools for, for creativity through through the internet, yeah. um, is it getting harder to stand out from, from the crowd? Because what you were doing back in the day was so, so specialised that mm. actually the vast majority of people would have no hope in hell of doing it. Yep. Whereas kind of anyone could have a bit of a stab with the with online tools to produce the kind of video that you're doing. It might not be any good, but they can mm. have a go, couldn't they? Absolutely. And that's one of the, the great things about the mashup of as an art form. It is very democratic because, like I say, you don't need actors or a camera crew or whatever. You just need to be able to download some stuff and make something else out of it. Um, 
Yes, I guess it is hard to stand out. We try not to think about that so much. We were very fortunate that we'd already had years of experience of editing before YouTube came along. So we had a bit of a head start. So that kind of raised our profile a bit and gave us a boost, which we're still probably experiencing the benefits of. Yeah, because actually, if you want to describe the type of video that you make, Mm. weirdly, you'd say, like Cassette Boy. That's the sort of, then people are like, yeah, got it, got it. Right, right. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's very nice. Um, Yeah. Who else is out there doing good stuff in the field? One of the all-time greats is a guy called Swede Mason, who... Um, does a lot of the uh, political raps Mm -hmm. that are around at the moment, which people often assume are Cassette Boy, which I'm sure infuriates him greatly. (laughs) His breakout piece was the uh, MasterChef Buttery Biscuit Bass. Ah, now, (laughs) that is one of the all-time classics. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I literally can't look at Greg Wallace without thinking about that. It's too good. (laughs) (laughs) There are lots of editorial sites out there now who do stuff that is similar to what you do. Do you take that as flattery? Um, depends how broke we are. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if we've just had a job, it's like, oh, yeah, that's nice. There are people do it imitating what we do. Uh, but if we're broke, it's like, oh, we could have had that job. Um, do, you, do you pitch for stuff? Do you do stuff for uh, other people not under the Cassette Boy name or is it always under Cassette Boy? It's almost always under the Cassette Boy name, yeah, yeah. If we've done it, then we've spent hours and hours and weeks on it and we want the credit for it. Um, And so are you seeing more work available? These, I guess now it's legal, it helps, obviously, as you said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes through peaks and troughs, but yes, certainly more than there was before the law changed. Generally on on this podcast, we keep clear of politics but uh, given the success of three word slogans recently so things like um, <laughs> get Brexit done yep. and uh, drain the swamp yep. uh, what three word slogan uh, will Cassette Boy adopt for 2020? Oh dear um, and if you'd like you can just say 20 words and then we'll just pick yes, three and yes. then do it in the edit for you yeah well cut and paste springs to mind perfect <laughs> cut and paste will do it <laughs> Do you ever get any direct feedback from the, the subjects of your videos? Because uh, I've seen uh, something <laughs> I found on your phone uh, where James May uh, reacted to a James May mashup, uh, which I, I guess he was sort of saying, yeah, I kind of like it. Uh, yes. Well, I think it, it was a one-word reaction, and the word was gits. Yes. So I think you can read whatever you like into yes, that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's kind of, he's drawn attention to it, so I think... Yes, that's true, that's true. Um, well, Alan Sugar has been asked on far more occasions than I'm sure he would like about our mashup on various chat shows. And he, you know, at least pretends to be amused by it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we can ask, yeah. really. <laughs> uh, anyone else? Obviously, the Nigella one got, got taken down. Don't know if that was her specifically. I yeah. assume David Cameron hasn't had much to say. He hasn't, no, no. Um, I think the Hairy Bikers maybe reacted to uh, a video that we did of them. And we did a series of newsreader mashups for The Guardian, and a lot of them retweeted them and that sort of thing. So that was nice. It's, I mean, it's basically flattering. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> basically. That's what we say anyway. Yeah. Phone out, please. Um, OK. And uh, can you... What, what have you got? iPhone, Android? 
Uh, Samsung, yeah. yeah. Android. Uh, can you open your browser and tell me what's the last web page you were looking at? Well, I was looking up a rules question for Pandemic Legacy. I have not heard of Pandemic Legacy. No. Uh, there's been an explosion in the last uh, 10 years of, uh, of board games. And um, it's, it's a hobby that I've been getting into recently because it's a way of uh, relaxing that doesn't involve looking at TV because yeah. TV is, is my watching TV is what I do all day long for work. So um, I don't necessarily want to do it as a hobby, uh, you know, to relax at home. All-time favourite board game? Probably Pandemic, mm -hmm. which is a cooperative board game. So everyone is playing against the game. So everyone at the table either wins or loses together. And so you're trying to stop the spread of a pandemic? Yes, yes. Bleak! Yeah, pretty bleak. Well, bleak if you lose. <laughs> <laughs> if you open your YouTube mm -hmm. um, and click the subscriptions button, what's the top video on there? Uh, let's have a look. Well... We've actually got Swede Mason keeping an eye on the competition. So um, his most recent video, it looks like, on his own channel, was a cut-up of uh, Jose Mourinho, uh, the football manager. Mm -hmm. And he's also got Moggy Style, which is an excellent uh, cut-up of Jacob Rees-Mogg. And do you actually keep an eye on the competition? Are you kind of uh, interested to see what, what he's doing? And do you ever get jealous? Uh, yes and yes. Yeah, yeah. I do get jealous because he's very good. Mainly I know when he's done a new video because my Twitter mentions are full of people asking if it was us. Uh -huh. And it, it wasn't. It was him. So I then spend a morning correcting people. So, yeah. no, it's actually Sweet Mason. I don't know what uh, music app you use, but please open it. Okay. And then tell me, what was the last thing you were listening to? Well, this is... Um, an album called Night Night by Casper Baby Pants. I have a two-year-old son who <laughs> listens to this album about six times every day. So that's pretty much the only music that I've been listening to um, for as long as I can remember the same album. It is a good album. As far as kids' music goes, Casper Baby Pants is excellent. Um, I've got but... to say, I'm not familiar with the oeuvre of Casper <laughs> Baby Pants. No. The name is. It is excellent. It, yeah. it is. Yeah. And do you use a notes app or anything, anything like that to jot stuff down? If you do, what was your last note? I do. Uh, this is actually slightly more uh, on topic. We have a gig coming up in Belfast at the weekend, mm -hmm. and it is a rough working out of what our set list is going to be. Ah, very nice. Yeah. Um, and are you going to wear the, the classic cassette masks or are you going to go... Cause I know sometimes I've seen in your photos you'll sometimes wear different masks. Yes, there'll be a wide variety of masks. Uh, we've actually bought some new masks for this gig. We thought... Have you uh, now? It's the start of a new decade. We'll get some new masks. Little, so. little, um, little teas? What have yeah, you got? Yeah. Uh, we've, got we've, we've gone for various different animals. Mm -hmm. So we've got a duck mm -hmm. and a frog and a penguin, so I'll be sporting a couple of those at least. Uh, and how high quality are the, are the masks? Are they full sort of head masks? They're full head masks. Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're really unpleasant. Because sweaty. Very, very sweaty, yeah. Well, the people of Belfast are in for a treat. Yeah. Um, and uh, do you have any uh, group chats? Do you use WhatsApp or whatever? Uh, I do use WhatsApp, yeah. Uh, what is the name of your main group chat? Ooh... Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, let's have a look. It is Country Bit 3.
Country Bit 3. Yes, which is uh, friends of mine, we uh, annually go away to the country and uh, this is uh, planning the third one of those. So uh, our third weekend away in the country. Country bit three. Where are we thinking at the moment? Um, we've actually gone to the same place three years in a row. So uh, relatively easy to yeah, plan. Very easy. Yeah. Yes. Just pick a date. And we'll go there again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's good fun. Exactly. So the chat is mainly just nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Cassette boy, cassette boy. Uh, thanks so much for for talking to us. It's been really interesting. Before I let you go, I want to ask, where do you see your style going to in the next? 10 years are you, are you going to evolve and how do you think you'll evolve mm. that is actually something that i've been thinking about recently because of the rise of deep fakes yes um where it's now really possible to do editing in our style but without the video glitching so you can mash up president trump and cgi his face so it's kind of it looks completely authentic. So that's given us a bit of pause for thought um, as to whether we should get into that. But I think we won't because we don't want to be accused of misrepresenting people and trying to... We don't want to be fake news, essentially. Mm -hmm. We want to draw attention to our edits and make, make it very clear that what we're doing isn't something that actually happened. We don't want to get caught up in the whole fake news thing. So I think that in the next 10 years, you will definitely see a rise in deep fakes and the news will become even harder to trust. And we're just going to be doing the same old glitchy video edits because we don't want to be part of the fake news. But also that's the charm, isn't it? Like yes. seeing the seeing the edits, seeing seeing the process, seeing the effort that has gone into producing your vids. If you make them all kind of slick and feel like, well, hang on, yes. did, did Obama actually yes. uh, sing Hot in Here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then it's less fun. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And the other thing that we want to experiment with is longer formats. Our background is in releasing 90-minute tapes and 80-minute albums and... Since moving on to YouTube, it's felt like every video we've made has had to be a hit single. And ideally, we'd like to go back to making albums and having album tracks as well and making something that has room to breathe and work over a longer period of time. So we've been wanting to do that for a long time and no one has asked us to do it. And it's something that will take years and years and years. But hopefully in 10 years time, we may have actually done at least one of those. Well, I look forward to watching it. <laughs> so looking back at the journey that you've been on as Cassette Boy, uh, what is the one message that you would want our listeners to take away from it? I guess one of the things about Cassette Boy is that you just never know where something is going to lead you. So a long, long time ago now, we were just in each other's bedrooms, pressing the pause button on a tape deck as quickly as possible, trying to make our friends laugh. And... That activity has morphed and changed into releasing albums and uh, doing stuff on TV and on YouTube and touring America and playing at Glastonbury every year. And so you never know where something is going to lead you. And the more niche and weird the thing is that you're doing, just stick with that 
because who knows where it will go. Nation weird is yeah. good. <laughs> Thanks again.